Hi Rachel, what are you doing? I've just put together episode 44 of my Lessons from Lost podcast. 44, outstanding. And who are you talking to this week? A lovely lady called Hannah Velton. And what's Hannah's story? It's a fascinating story about losing her brother in Africa many years ago and then finding him again in spirit. That does sound intriguing. Is there a porcupine in this episode? Not directly, but porcupines have souls, so maybe there is one in spirit. Let's find out some more, shall we? Hello and welcome to Lessons from Loss, the podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly, what we learn from them that now positively guides our lives today. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, and each episode I chat with a different guest. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their very personal experiences, but also the impact hearing these stories may have on you, the listener. So please take care as you listen. Today, I'm chatting with Hannah Velton about the loss of her brother, Christian, who went missing 20 years ago in Africa, and the incredible journey of reconnection with him many years later, just at the very point when she had begun to lose hope. Hannah and Christian now work together, inspiring and empowering those living in grief in both realms, facilitating healing and offering new perspectives on life and death. Their story has been captured in that book, Lost and Found, and they co-host a community supporting others. So welcome along, Hannah and Christian. Oh, thank you for having us, Rachel. It's lovely to be here. So your journey to find and reconnect with Christian, you know, is really quite remarkable. And I know we've, we've chatted a little about it, a little bit about it already. Um, so perhaps a good place to start is sort of way back in the beginning, back in 2003, or, or maybe a bit earlier, if you want to sort of say what, what life was like for you both before Christian went off to Africa. Yeah, so um, so Christian and I were only 14 months apart in age, so we were always very close and we grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, so we were like the the brother and sister and playmates Um and totally joined at the hip. Um, and then he uh, went off to a different school from me. And I guess that's where our sort of, the sort of separation in our relationship started to started to happen. Um, and I say we look back on this because we're now 20 years ago since Christian actually went missing. Um, and I have a very different perspective now um, than when he did go missing. Um, so now I can see our relationship, how we were gradually separated from being so close. Um, yeah, so he went to a different school and then he went traveling a lot and I went traveling a lot. So we really didn't spend a huge amount of time with each other um, after being so close in childhood. Um, and there was a lot of... Um, we didn't realize it at the time, but there was some, some barriers that kind of came into our relationship more along the sort of trust lines, I guess. Um, and just that natural sort of separation. We talked every week um, wherever he was in the world or I was in the world. We would always exchange emails at that point. Um, but I guess and we would sort of exchange the day to day kind of information, but we didn't have the deep conversations yeah. that we would now have. Um, so it was a kind of relationship that had gone was very deep, very, um, very bonded to 
a, a sort of se a separation, a slow separation. Um, and then, of course, he he went missing in um, 2003. So he'd been in uh, he'd been traveling all around the Caribbean for a long time and he'd been researching for a book. Um, so we were used to him not being around. Um, and then he uh, he came home to write his book about the Caribbean and he got I guess he got lost in life is the easiest way to say it um and in a quite a, quite a dark place um he started to read he found a book out of the blue called water music uh it was a fictional account of um a scottish explorers um or there was the scottish explorer mungo park in the book and something about this man absolutely caught christian's imagination it's absolutely it was like a dest he we would now say it was a destiny moment he read about this guy who was the same age as him so he was 27 um and he'd mungo park had gone off to africa to uh search for the beginning of the river niger and also uh -huh. to find out which direction it it flowed so this was in west africa and he was you know it was he just went he, he actually made two trips and he went um first time very much kind of on his own it was amazing he even came home after many years people thought he had died but he appeared home um and it was one of, christian looked into this story and was totally and utterly just besotted by this this man um and he came home one day uh, to mum and dad's. Uh, I was living in Cornwall at the time. And he came home and he said, right, I'm going to follow in this man's footsteps. It's like 200 years since Mungo did this journey. I'm going to go and do it. And we were like, OK, really? Are you sure? This is really dangerous. If you read Mungo's Park's Travels, the first journey he did, because he, he died on the second journey. Um but it's full of kidnap, um, you know, he's people stealing things off him, um, like literally ill all the time. Um, mm. And we just read this book and thought, oh, my God, what's he doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Christian got a, he got a um, he got a film production company involved and um, he took out a film camera and a stills camera and a backpack and not very much else and he was going to follow in mungo's footprints so he was going to walk he was going to have a donkey and cart and he when he got to the river niger he would uh, he was going to be in a peruke which is like a dugout canoe and i the journey was thousands of miles um and he'd researched it really well i have to say he'd really researched it he had all his visas he had everything planned out um, and I just remember the last time seeing him uh, and just sort of wishing him <laughs> just like the best of luck because mm. I, uh, you know, we couldn't say don't do it because he was, you know, 27. He'd been traveling a lot. There was nothing we could do to stop him. But I, I remember giving him a my parting present for him was just this tiny survival guide book. And I just signed it and just, you know wished him all the love and and the luck for for his trip um did you have any sense of what was going to happen at that I, point 
I didn't, but I know his one of his good friends. There's a great story which I'm, I can't go into now, but one of his friends, um, who he was at university with, who is psychic, um, she said to him at his leaving drinks in London, she said to him, Christian, I've got a really bad feeling about this. I've got a really bad feeling about this travel you're doing. I really don't think you should do it. And he laughed it off and he said, mm. it's fine, it's fine, I'm going to be fine. And he'd literally had so many near misses in his life. He'd been, he'd been, uh, he went up, well, the one I can think of, which is really obvious, is um, on his 17th birthday, he was in the army cadets and he went up in a parachute to, to do a parachute jump. And um, he got his, as he jumped out, he'd been training and he jumped out one side of the airplane, but when they were up there, He'd actually had to jump out the other side of the airplane. Uh, it was a different airplane, and he would just kind of—he was just kind of sort of getting his left and right sorted out, um, and he got pushed out before he was ready. He obviously waved to say no wait, and it was a signal. Anyway, he jumped out and he got his legs twisted in the um, in the strings, so he was upside down, oh plummeting gosh. to earth, and so he had a near death experience. And at some point, he heard. Christian, it's not your time to die. And he went, oh, my God. He he had the life review and everything um, running through his head. Um, anyway, he reached up, managed to untangle his legs and came down. So that was when he was 17. Um, and he'd always had this thought after that, um, that, oh, my God, why why was I saved? I, sh I literally should have died then. Um, so yeah, we had he he had so many scrapes like that. Even from a baby, we have lots of stories about him having and his nine lives. So he'd always he laughed it off. He was like, "I'm going to be fine. I know it's going to be difficult." And actually, um, as I said, I was in Cornwall when he um, when he was uh, just before he left, and I had a lady come into. Uh, I had a uh, uh, with a partner. I was uh, had an art gallery. Um, and this lady, I was in the shop in my own and this lady came in and she, I thought she was on drugs. She was totally, yeah, not, not, not with us in the physical. And she said, I need to talk to you. And I thought, all right, well, I'm just going to keep you on the doorstep because I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. And she said, um, she said, I've got a message for you. She said, you are going to really worry about your brother, but don't worry about him. You don't need to worry about him. And I thought, and I actually laughed. I said, but he hasn't even left yet. This was like a week before he was due to leave. And I laughed and I said, oh, he'll be, I said, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's Christian. He'll always be fine. So we had quite, actually, now I'm thinking about it. We had quite a few, yeah. so one for myself. Um, and, and this lady also, she said, uh, who sort of came into the, on my, on my doorstep, literally walked in. Uh, she said, but you, you're going to be moving far away soon. Um, you're going to be moving away and um, all this life that you have in Cornwall, it's it's going. And I was like, oh, OK, that's not on the cards. Didn't realise that was happening. And of course, when Christian did go missing, I moved back to Sussex. Um, so she was right on all counts. <laughs> so, yeah, we had um, we had this. And my mum, our mum, she, there was a part in Mali, there was a, a town, there's a, the capital of Mali is Bamako. And Mungo talked a lot about actually reaching the river, the first time of seeing the river at Bamako. 
And Christian talks so much about Bamako and and having all his journey to Bamako and then being able to get on the river. That felt like his the part one of this journey. Yeah. And mum in the end would go, oh, if I hear one more bloody Bamako, bloody Bamako, she'd say, because uh, I was on the phone to her. Um, she said, he's driving me mad with this Bamako this, Bamako that. And of course, come, um, so we jump forward to the 23rd of the 3rd, 03. Christian's in Africa. He's been, he's done um, probably, I don't know, what's he done by then? Probably a couple of thousand at least miles. He's been walking. He's had his donkey and cart. He's just sold his donkey and cart because uh, he couldn't afford to, uh, he couldn't um, feed the donkey enough. Um, so he sold the donkey and he found a working telephone in a sh in a small, he's calling it a shack, um, and the, he picked up the telephone to wish mum and dad happy birthdays, like in a couple of days' time. And he was amazed to find the phone actually working because that doesn't happen. No. Uh, anyway, so that was the last time we heard from Christian, um, which has just gone past 20 years. He phoned to wish mum and dad happy birthday, and they were both at home which was unusual in the middle of the day at that time. And he said, you know, I'm fine. I've had a little detour. I've kind of met some locals. I've been, you know, staying with them. He always um, lived. So when he was in, in the Caribbean as well, he always lived with uh, locals. That was how he, and he loved children. He used to get to know the children. And they would all invite him in. Um, yeah. So that was, that was the last time we heard from him. And then it was a sort of, he, we were expecting, he had his plane ticket booked um, just after his birthday in July. He wasn't on the plane or he didn't, um, you know, dad dad actually waved him off from uh, when he left for Africa. I only found this out recently. Um, he actually, dad dropped him off at the station, the local station, and just sort of waved him off. And, and um, he just got on the plane and went and, yeah, we were expecting him to also, you know, just come home. Yeah, just knock on the door. <laughs> call at the station, I'm back, come and collect me. And, of course, that never happened. And then you get the, you know, the friends, his friends started to call and say, you know, what's happening? We haven't heard from him. We weren't really expecting to hear from him. We didn't, um, you know, he. we were aware he wasn't, we are, he didn't have GPS. None, mm. none of this was around then. Um, and... Yeah, it was, so it was like a slow realisation that I, I, when we say we lost him, this is the thing when somebody goes missing because he's he's still officially missing. Um, he, it, it, it's this limbo. You don't have a, you have a loss. It's an ambiguous loss, I think mm. is the term. You don't, um, you have nothing to grieve. You have no focus point. You have no body. You have no idea where they are. I mean, if you imagine like lots of people, you have children, you lose your children in the supermarket or in the shop, you know, and that blind panic you have. Yeah. Um, That was essentially what we had for 
many years that blind panic of um what how do we find him yeah. like he's in west africa on his own there's no gps blah 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 um so we had search parties we had mum and dad had um we spent a fortune <laughs> sending people out to try and find him we had um did you ever go out or your family ever go out no, we... Um, I mean, I guess it's not the probably the safest places to have gone to. No, it, it was... Um, Mali is, is not safe now. If you look at... Um, especially not... Um, you know, if you look at the... Um, what do you call it? You know, the government websites. It's all don't yeah. travel to Mali. Dangerous, blah, blah, blah. But 20 years ago, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. Um, but it was just like, how do we find him... Um, you just like where do we start where do we start we send people out we search for him um now and i learned in 2016 i did an internet search so this whole story sort of came back again um and i just knew i was gonna find him um and i i went down the search route again like online we never had online when Christian went missing, we have we still had faxes. <laughs> like that yeah, was the yeah. main way of main way of um find, you know, communicating. So with the internet, I I was kind of like, I can find him through social media. I'm sure I can find him through social media. Um so yeah, I've just kind of jumped forward there, but this whole idea that the only way to find him was to search. Um, and I guess one of the lessons I learned. And the when I hit totally rock bottom in 2016 was that um, I wasn't going to find him by searching for him. Mm. Um, and did that I kind guess, of come to you, you know, like in a just a, a sense, or did you get um, I don't know a, a message or? Um, so really, the thing is that when Christian went missing, the this I we couldn't grieve there was no focus to grieve um mm -hmm. and i couldn't i i the the focus was on searching on finding yeah yeah and it it to grieve was a a giving up that's yeah. what it felt like like if i grieve that means he's never coming home yeah. that means that he's dead <laughs> you know it was fairly obvious really after 12 years that Christian was probably dead <laughs> and it was actually probably obvious very early on but it wasn't an option for us to think like that mm. um and of course I, I became a single child in the family so we'd gone from us two to me um and the whole family dynamic changed and rearranged and I moved back to be with mum and dad um and I just we, it was not something we could contemplate no. um and I know missing people charities and, you know, I know a lot of people with missing people and the last thing they want to hear is, is the death. <laughs> you yes. Know, you yeah. don't want to contemplate it. Um, but 2016, I started to, it was actually started in 2014, really. We set up a business, which was um, ghostwriting autobiographies for people, basically because we'd lost Christian's story. 
we didn't have all his, you know, we obviously as family knew bits um, about his story, but we didn't know lots of information that we wish we had had. So I started this um, this blog and asked his friends to um, to send me f- stories about Christian. Yeah, you're like filling all the gaps, and we basically created this blog, and uh, it was a way to talk about him. It was a way to gather him together. <laughs> um, anyway, we turned that into a business for other people. So it was, it was. We first of all did my dad's story, um, and then had a whole heap of people who wanted to do do their story. So I would write them, um. And my husband would do create the books because he was a designer. And we would, yeah, the, I guess the idea was record the stories of your loved ones before it's too late when mm. you can't ask them the stories. Um, and while I was doing that work, I was actually, the people who were approaching me, they all had um, people who'd recently died, either wives fathers very very significant people to them um and it felt like I was actually like almost like a therapist I would go in there and hear their life story um and they just wanted to talk (laughs) they wanted there was a lot of grief they actually wanted to grieve the people that they'd lost lost I say in inverted commas now um but I during that time I started to get the t- I I didn't know what it was, but I started to get heat in my back, like I was being touched in my back, just in the sort of middle of back, and I was like, okay. "What on earth is that?" I just literally couldn't understand what it was. Um, and I thought, "Oh my god, maybe I should go and see a medium or something." I mean, it's not something I've ever thought about before, but I was like, "Something feels like it needs to get in contact with me." So I went to see this medium. Um, it was a man. Uh. And he was like, you know, your brother's, I'm sure your brother's trying to get in contact with you. I'm sure your brother's um, there. I'm sure some, something, it was very, um, it was not a clear reading at all. No. It was quite it on and off. Um, but anyway, I, I suddenly thought, oh my goodness, maybe, maybe Christian is still alive. Maybe he's, you know, maybe something's going on here. I Because I wasn't thinking he was dead. <laughs> Yes, yeah. It's almost like the the medium was actually saying, you know, I'm sure Christian's alive, you know. Um, so I kind of thought, well, if he's alive, I'm going to search for him. I mean, I can use this internet, this internet thing. Um, and after about six months of still trying to find him, not having touched on my grief at all, um, I hit uh all the brick walls that we had always hit which was lots of wild goose chases, lots of um, people saying they'd seen him, blah, 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 blah. And I was just, I literally still can't find him. And I sat with my son, who was quite tiny then, probably about five, six. And I sat with him and I sat with a picture of Christian and I literally prayed and I went, um, I'm just handing this whole finding a Christian over to God it was a prayer that I'd never said it wasn't I'd never said it I'd never I didn't even know where it came from this little ritual I basically produced and I said I can't find Christian I'm handing this over to to you God and I just felt this 
absolute relief like the weight had been taken off my shoulders mm -hmm. um and i from that moment on i i just went on a i had a spiritual awakening is <laughs> the short answer to that um and basically i th also started to connect with christian okay I, in what I, way <clears throat> Um, I would have, in fact, that happened a bit earlier, but let's just keep it that as now. Um, I would have lucid dreams with him. So he would, I would fly to him. I had a grandmother and it was a, it was a grandmother that I didn't know. So like a grandmother, prob probably great, 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 you know, ancestor. Yeah, he would yeah. take, me, take me flying and we would fly. She would take me and I'd land. And Christian would be there and he'd be lying on his side, ill, kind of coming in and out of consciousness. And um, I could speak to him. We would hug. He was like, it was so real. But it was a way of us connecting. And he thought he was still alive. And I thought he was still alive. Um, and that kind of is, I understand, I can understand that now because uh i i mean i don't even know if we've even said christian was dead <laughs> um he's dead um but he had died at the hands of other people right. and he, he he had died unconscious in water um and so his body had died but his consciousness was very much alive yeah and he was like, I'm coming home, Hannah. I'm coming home. I'm trying to get home and I can't get home. Like, <clears throat> I can't, um, I can't seem to find my way. And I'm trying to work. I'm trying to get home. Okay. And with the, you know, there was a long, st I mean, it went on for months, him trying to get home. Um, and, I at what point did you perhaps or maybe it was after the very first one like after the first sort of dream that you had like that did you kind of think actually do you know I've yes it was a dream but there is absolutely something in this or or did you or was there a time when you perhaps just kind of dismissed it as oh, I just had a really weird dream last night no it was funny I never I never dismissed these lucid dreams because they were so real. I mean, they were literally like it was happening. And I mm. normally when you have a dream, you wake up and you're like, oh, well, some bits you can remember. Yeah. A, a lot of it you just can't remember. But I can still remember now those experiences in those. They, they were so real, so real, these dreams. And I didn't question them at all. Um. And I, at some point, I thought I was going mad because Christian would be saying, and and it wasn't just him, it was more like, um, so like, say if I went into, I used to go into the church quite a lot just to sit and that was where I could find some peace because I had yeah. you know, children, dogs, da, da, da. It was like, if I went into church, no one, everyone would leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'd often sit there just quietly and I would hear 
I don't know what I would call it, God voices. And they were all loving. They were all beautiful. They were all supportive. So I knew it was nothing bad. Um, and then Christian was always, he was always very, um, like, he wasn't settled at all. He was literally, um, I know now <laughs> he was um, earthbound, which is the, the spirits that we work with now. Um, he was. So what, what, sorry, what does that mean? I'm just thinking earthbound. for those people listening who. Yeah, sorry. So I, including I, myself. I, I, I talk guess, about but... it so much. And of course it's, it's, I didn't know what it was at all. That's why I couldn't work out what was going on. So earthbound is, is um, people who've died, but they don't, uh, they don't ascend. They don't okay. cross over. So they're kind of stuck almost. So they are very much uh, not in their physical body, but mm. they are energetically yeah. more physical than spirit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was Christian state. And that's why he couldn't, that's why he couldn't, um, when we work with, with earthbound, with stuck, we stuck spirits now, um, this is often how we find them they they don't they either don't know they're dead they never went to the light because they didn't think the light was for them um all of these reasons that i mean it just it, it's a huge subject but um i only found out about the truth of christian being dead when i was ready to and able to be able to support him so i had to go through my grief i had to go through uh, all the fear about actually him if if this you know i we we thought we were speaking telepathically to each other um so we talked all the time like all those conversations that we didn't have when we were when he before africa he and i would have together so we would write a lot together um we would ex um like i would hear his voice and be able to write letters mm -hmm. to my to me from him uh, I would write him letters. We would talk a lot. We would really delve into stuff from our childhood and and really allow that love to flow between us. Yeah. Whereas always there'd been, been some sort of mistrust or, you know, I said our relationship was not as it was. Um, there was kind of, there was kind of like this gunk there. Um, and after the lucid dreams and before we found out he was dead, there was this whole period where we worked through our grief and we worked through our relationship and we got it really clear. Like the love between us was so mm -hmm. clear and it was unconditional now because, you know, I got to the point where I was like, if, even if you don't come home, Chris, I still love you. There's, you know, it's up to you now. It, we, it was so clear between us. So um, at that point, did you still think that he might be alive yes. or still think that he was alive? Yeah. 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 Um, and I got asked to do uh, with Missing People Charity. I was in their um, their choir. And we I was asked to speak at the Missing People Christmas concert. And I spoke uh, my letter to Christian. They wanted me to just write a letter to Christian. And in it, I'd got to this. It's a kind of great um, 
marking point because it had got to the point where I was literally like, I'm here, Christian. I've got this love in my heart for you. You can take all the time you want. I'm not chasing after you. I'm not searching for you. This is me. I'm waiting for you. It can take as long as you want. Blah, blah, blah. Blah. I'll help you. I'll support you. I'll do whatever needs to happen. And about five months off, no, four, uh, about, yeah, five months after I spoke that letter out loud to a big congregation, um, I met a shamanic healer who lives in our village, lived in our village. And I'd known about her, but I had never met her. And suddenly I met her and she said, uh, I said to told her about Christian and that we were, you know, he was alive and we were just kind of like so close, but he couldn't come home. And she said, well, come on, let's ha let's do a session. Let's see what the see what's happening, see what the barriers are, see if, what energy needs to be cleared. Anyway, at the end of that session, two hour session, I had the realization that, oh, my God. Christian's actually dead. Um, something she said and I thought oh my god and I came home in tears and I thought the realization of it mm -hmm. and I just sat uh, in fact my daughter I met my daughter who was probably about three years old at that point and she looked at me in tears and she said it's Christian isn't it and I said yes darling it, it is it is uh, anyway, I sat with uh, in between me getting home um, and also then talking to Christian again. He by that time knew he was dead and he'd been taken up uh, and told of the situation, I guess. And then so. So did he I, as did he have that realisation at the same time as you did? He did after me, just a yeah. bit, just a little bit in terms of my physical time a little yeah. bit later um and wow. he got it was all i say we i was ready to um i think this is the thing with with particularly the work we do now um there has to be an element of transition of transformation of healing shedding allowing for the change to happen yeah. And if I if I had been told that Christian had died in Africa, if we'd found him like 20 years ago. He would have just been this lad that went out, did this madcap travels and he died and that's it. There would have been no there would have been no. You know, the meaning of it would have wouldn't that we'd have got nothing from it, um, whereas where, where, where was it? 2018. So 15 years later, we had this realisation. But he and I had totally transformed our relationship. And I I knew by then that I could speak to, um, you know, I knew I was moving in these magical kind of spiritual ways. And the fact that I was he was actually dead and I was talking to him and I would be now classed as a medium, I guess it was like, Oh, okay. Well, that's, that feels okay. Like it was very sad to hear that he, he was dead, but our relationship was so strong by that point. Mm. that Actually, we just kind of carried on. 
Yeah. Did you have a conversation with him about, because obviously you had been having conversations. Yeah, I mean, I've got... a conversation with him about that kind of discovery that the both of you uh, died? If I look over to my left, I've got um, a whole stack of uh, notebooks. I mean, there's got to be 50 there, I guess. And so many of them contain writings with Christian. And we wrote together that first time. Um, and he was just like, I can't believe this, Han. Um, I swear to you, I thought I was alive. You know, I haven't been. He was more worried about um, at that point. He was more worried that um, he'd been kind of leading me in the wrong direction. He was like, I, I, I genuinely thought I was alive and I'm so sorry. Um, so he was and then after that gosh we had many about six months I guess of of me supporting him through his grief and that's and I I would never have been ready or able to do that so I had to be ready to support him yeah I mean he'd had his life cut short this was his big adventure this was going to be you know this was going to be filmed he had a he had a a a a book contract but you know and he was so pissed off (laughs) (laughs) put it polite in the polite way um so we had to support him through all his grief um and at the same time as doing that or it kind of like in conjunction with that it became really obvious that christian had round him gathered a lot of other young people who had died in similar ways so like they'd clustered together we call Mm -hmm. it a soul cluster they would clustered together and they were all trying to because christian was connected to me they then started to come to me saying oh my god can you send a message to my mum can you talk to my dad can you tell them about me and what happened because a lot of these people were um there were some suicides there were some um disappearances there were all these kind of unfinished business yeah and I was like oh my god I don't know what to do with this what is the I I I can write your stories down I can listen to you I but I don't know if I can approach your dad they'll think I'm insane you know (laughs) um but I did approach some of the parents and I did approach because there was nothing else I could do. I felt I, and they were all received well. I mean, mm. I've always been, um, I've always been very looked after and I completely trust the God source universe love with this work because I've, I, I have been very frightened of this work and it's, I mean, me talking about this, openly has taken years and years yeah um but now i understand the importance of our of our work and now christian's very much um you know he is he has transitioned properly now he's now where he should be uh and he and i work together and we support stuck spirits to find their release um and we also bring online and into service people like myself who this is their work this is our work this is our purpose the whole of christians the whole of our experience has all been to get to this point where we can now support other people um who come online as we call it raise raise rebirthers that's our 
Christian and I, we kind of co-host that, that community. And we, yeah, we support those who are earthbound and we support those who are alive and who are coming into this work. So yeah, wow. it's a huge, huge change. Um, and I, you know, I was a writer before this. I had absolutely no spirit to me was frightening. Uh, the first time I met somebody who was uh, like said they talked to their mum, I think, in spirit. I nearly ran out of her house. I was so scared. I mean, I thought, oh my god, what is there going to be? A, you know, am I going to see something? Am I going to? So I can understand. Um, I come from a very skeptical side mm. but to be you know and fearful of spirit and um of everything anything sort of anything yeah. like that because let's um, face it much of um you know the spirit world is portrayed isn't it in films in stories um you know on social media whatever as you know, something to be fearful of yeah, in many absolutely. situations. Absolutely. I mean, I remember um, two things, starting to use tarot cards. Now, tarot cards are amazing. They are my go-to tool, actually. They give you the, the truth, but in a loving way. Um, but I was very nervous about touching these cards they're like oh you know what is this I'm gonna unleash mm. but it is the way that Christian and I really really communicate well like quickly quick communication rather than sitting there writing um so yeah tarot cards are amazing um but also I have people in fact somebody in our community said to me the other day he said I can't believe um, that I only th I thought that only stuck spirits were evil. There's this idea that only only stuck spirits are, you know, it's because they're they're not, you know, they've done something awful, so they can't go into the light. They can't transition. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he said to me, I can't understand why I thought that. Um, yeah, it's that it's that image of um stuck spirits they i mean like my brother for example they they can be from you know babes in arms all the way up to we have we have a we actually run a weekly rescue circle now for stuck spirits and we basically um stand in our light and our love and we attract them in so we don't go searching for them it's like christian like i was doing with christian i'm just there i'm attracting you in um so and almost we have like a portal type thing then yeah yeah so we attract mm. them in and we have i mean for an example last week we had um 19th century warriors who were still stuck in battle they still thought they were at war we've had um yeah babes in arms we've had uh displaced chinese thousands of them came through i mean we're literally dealing with every week um, we do this we deal with thousands and thousands of spirits um, wow. who come to us for release they come to us to collect um, this might be too much information but they come to collect missing bits of themselves um, and they 
so they're complete they get some healing before they go into mm -hmm. into the light um so yeah i guess i guess doing these interviews and things like that we it's a lot of it is um education i guess about what what christian was <laughs> the stuck spirit and how they interact with us and they and they affect the physical the vibration that we live in physically so it's not like that you know they are impacting us yeah um, and 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 also in terms of the loss side we have a lot of people who we now work with like christian and myself christian has become my guide in this work and he's like on the other side supporting the the transition yeah and a lot of the people that we work with have had soulmates die christian was my soulmate and their their soulmates then do become their guides and their supporters so for example we have a, a husband and wife team um the wife transitioned um i'm thinking even just at the end of last year and she has literally brought him to us and they are now connected and we're taking them through how to how to do this work and we have people who uh, one lady she actually um was there when uh somebody she didn't know had a had a road traffic accident and she gave him mouth to mouth um he and then he died um but he has now come back as her guide so i just think if if um if anyone's listening to this and they lost, I say lost again in inverted commas because you don't lose them, you just disconnect from them. Yeah. Um, is how I understand it. Um anybody who's um it, it, it usually happens with a sudden loss or an unexpected loss, or there's an accident, there's a suicide, there's a murder, there's it's it's a life cut short almost. Yeah. yeah. Um and if you can't let go of that person, if ha whatever you try, and it could be decades later and you still can't let go of that person, you still have that grief, you still have mm -hmm. that um, feeling that something's not right, that something's lost, that's, um, you know, you could well be feeling what they are feeling and it could well be that they are also stuck. Um and it could be that they've tried to reach out to you through somebody else. Um, it's it, it's almost it, I know that if people are listening to this, um, they and they're thinking, oh my goodness, that could be me. That could, I could have that situation. They would have been brought here to listen to this podcast. Yeah. Um, in which case, come and see us in in the in Ray's community because we can support you and to support your you know there's there's some stuckness there there's mm. some stuckness there but it, it is literally um becoming the person who can actually hold all this love and this light um and being able to support uh, christian and i we ha it it has always been our very personal story um you know our sibling story but our sibling story we knew at some point that we had to start sharing our story we had to support, start supporting people through through their grief. We had to support 
reconnecting other people um, and doing doing this work to support others. And now we've gone on to, because we've been doing that for a couple of years now, now it's really going into um, recruiting more, like bringing more people online to support us. So we have a real community. Right, uh, yes. we, we call ourselves the Raise Rebirthers. Mm -hmm. And we literally are a group and we're expanding all the time. We're recruiting <laughs> spirit, are like bringing people to us all the time um and it, it's it's like christian and i made this contract this this soul contract before we probably were born you know we were only 14 months apart um this was how our life was going to be this is where we were to meet and this is what we were going to do and christian can christian and i do that he's he's physically dead but we can still do that purpose yeah and that's that's what um you know we do with so many people mm. you know somebody in the physical some they have a loved one or a soulmate or a guide um in in spirit and they they work together and we and i yeah, guess rebirthing rebirthing yeah and i guess in a way christian had to die almost yep. in order for this work to emerge yes and and as i said before he i i if if i'd if we'd found him when he died none of this would have happened it yeah. was only, it, it had to happen this way we had to nobody could could find him until i was like um ready to find out the truth and to support him and hold him and and be able to um yeah because there's nobody in my family who's remotely no one i'm i kind of do this work on my own in my family because nobody is remotely they don't understand it they're probably scared of it if i'm honest mm. um so i had to find support from a community and that's you know it's very lonely doing this work if you're not in a community who can yeah, support you, told you. Uh, and it can be quite frightening you know you suddenly start to get spirits because they do the stuck spirits they're like they see somebody uh we've had loads of people after um after lockdown I think people spent a lot of they lots of people sort of started to investigate yoga and meditation and and that kind of thing. And of course, the stuck spirits are going, oh, you're still you might be able to hear me if I, you know, if I touch you or come into your dreams or da 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 or play with your lights or you might kind of get the idea. Um, and of course, COVID as well. We had so many uh, unexpected deaths, yeah. sudden deaths deaths where there was loads of unfinished business yeah. no proper funeral rites mm -hmm. so that's increased the, the the energies that we work with a lot <laughs> but it's also it's also brought people towards our work as well if that makes sense yeah um so covid i i I was told very early on by Christian um, once we knew he de once we knew he had died and he had gone through his sort of life review and he was under sort of remembering what was going on remembering what this contract was um he said to me once um you know we this is global we need to help heal global on a global scale this is grief healing on a global scale I thought well that's how how can we just gone from us little kids basically and our story 
to a global scale. I did, I couldn't see it at all. And then, of course, COVID happened. I was like, ah, right. Everyone understands that. Everyone understands some grief now. Yeah. Everyone understands loss. It's not just bereavement now. Everyone understands some loss, whether it's, you know, loss of freedom, loss yeah. of control, loss of whatever. So everyone kind of understands this a bit more. More people are open to exploring maybe a different side of life, a different perspective on life. Um. So yeah, a lot a lot of people are hearing the like this. Uh, we were, I know spirit call it and Christian calls it as well. It's like the calling. Yeah, people are much more open to hearing the calling now, um, and you know things like tarot, all the kind of things that I've been talking about, the spiritual things, they're more well known now. Yeah, they're becoming they're more kind of like mainstream, aren't they? Yeah, sort of acceptable bit of life. Yes. Now. But obviously we go loads deeper. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where I started on that that kind of um, you know, hearing that that heat in my back was my calling card or their calling card. The grandmothers, it was the grandmothers that started it off and they were just like, This is time. It's time now to for you to find him, to find out the truth. Uh, a lot of this is truth stuff. Mm. So a question for yeah, I was going to say a question for you about um, spirits and maybe stuck spirits or maybe not, but would you say there's more communication with stuck spirits than those who have transitioned or does that not actually make a difference as to whether there is any sort of communication with that spirit? Oh, that's a good question. Now, um, it, I, I guess the the short answer would be there's probably no difference in the communication but the quality of the communication would be different it would sound different it would be different so if you've tra- if a, a spirit has transitioned they'll be in like their soul state they'll be they might sound a lot wiser they might be really good guides at that point they will often come through as guides um they will be they will have calmness about them they will have wisdom they will have they'll like be more like their essence yeah i think whereas if they are earthbound or stuck they'll be very much like they were when they were um around that you would know them as but there would be an element of anger grief a feeling of loss a feeling of stuckness, a fe- as I said, you would you and you would probably feel that yourself because they they're energetically close to physical, mm-hmm. especially if you were if you're empathic and you're um, you were very close to them, like on a, a soulmate sort of, or just the, that such closeness, you would probably feel their restlessness almost. Yeah. Um. And they're not um, in- interesting. I had this conversation with my group because we're learning so much. The sp- when we when spirits come to us in the in the in the circles, part of our sort of lead up to the circle is that saying to the spirits, "If you come and talk to us, if you come and share your stories with us." we will use your stories for the highest good of all like the education because that 
the reasons they get stuck um people need to know because we're all going to die um we don't want to get stuck (laughs) and if you hear some of the reasons why they're stuck like oh i i didn't move because i wanted to see if i could sort out my family squabbling you know i don't want them squabbling anymore um sorry but you're not going to be able to stop their squabbling um you can only stop you need to (laughs) it's almost like if in doubt go to the light because that's where you can actually come and support and guide and do the work you can't do it's almost in the the lower vibration of the physicality especially if there's a grief you know there's fear there's uh anger anger's a great one um you know i died too early i'm not going to the light now i had i've got so so many things left that i should have done which is christian actually a lot of that it was his grief um but it's there's a lot of healings um it's probably going too deep but there's a lot of healing that needs to go on um that can go on in the physical uh, but most of it needs to happen in, when you transition right so there's a di- i guess there's a different quality in the in the yeah i think it's probably a more different quality of the connection that you have with stuck spirits yeah there's a there's a it's not clear there's a darkness there's a grayness to it almost if you think of it in terms of light right uh, a muddiness gunk. yeah <laughs> it's not clear um yeah. and they'll have yeah emotion it'll be emotional right oh, oh wow that's really interesting thank you for thank you for answering <laughs> that one so what out of all of this what's been the sort of the biggest lessons that you would that you have got from it and that perhaps you would want to share with others um the power of love mm. um um like oh did it's difficult to describe almost, but it's that the fear needs to be replaced by the love. Um, and loss, I would say loss is an illusion. Um, it's just a disconnection. If we're talking about bereavement. Yeah. Um, and I would say that um, certainly for, for us, it was the actual grieving process and moving through it and the the cycle of it's almost like I had to rebirth as Christian was rebirthing whereas when we were both stuck and in the fear we weren't going to move we would have Mm. stayed stuck like that for for yeah, you know, and it would have been passed on down the generations as well. We, I should say, we had so our, the loss wasn't just the bereavement. It was there was a lot of ancestral things. There was uh, past lives. There was there was a lot that we had to work through. It wasn't just um, just inverted yeah. commas his death. Um, there was a there was an awful lot of gunk around that needed to be cleared yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess 
the lessons in loss and, and the fact that you're not alone. I think I always felt that um, when Christian was missing that I was always alone. There was nothing, there was nobody that could help. There was nothing I could do. And yet now I know that all my guides were there waiting. <laughs> Love, God, source, universe whatever your label is is mine is just love like there was all that to tap into and to to receive and to hold mm -hmm. and like we're all worthy of receiving this this love um and and just don't f and reach out for help like ask for help even if it's literally sitting like I did and just going please god please just help me please help me because guides can't help unless you ask for help no they'll sit they'll sit and they'll watch and they but they can't interfere we all have free will and unless you ask for help their help they will sit they can't interfere so it's 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 like the step is is just literally asking out loud please help me please mm -hmm. support me and you'll find you believe that was the turning point yeah um there's one turning point which I didn't mention when Christian was, which is a sort of, it was an opening of the circle, I guess. When, so 2015, it was going to be Christian's 40th birthday. And I was actually working as, <laughs> this will make you laugh, I was actually working in um, as a writer in residence for a funeral company. Yeah. I was literally put in a situation yeah. where... I had to look at my grief and I had to look at Christian's loss. And I was with a, um, I was with a funeral arranger and she, and I said to her, Oh, it's Christian's 40th birthday coming up. And I, I, you know, I feel like we should do something. So this would have been 12 years after he'd gone missing. And I said, I, we, I feel like we should have a party or a celebration. Cause we'd never had a funeral. We'd never had marked no. his, his life. So she said, well, you could always have a sort of a life celebration or uh, something. Uh, and at the time I was kind of like piecing Christian stories together. So I thought, oh, great. Yeah, we could bring everybody together. Everyone could bring their stories of Christian. We could. So I thought that would, that that would work. And then I went to meet part of my writing was meeting a widow. Um, and I met her a year after her husband died. He was a firefighter. And he died of asbestos. And I basically sat with her and she told me, she talked through his death, like from when they turned off the machine, like every detail she walked mm. through. I walked with her through her husband's death and she had never talked to anybody about it before. She'd never relived it. And we walked through it. And at the end she said, oh, I feel such relief. I feel like I, I know now that her husband also released as she was grieving and talking it out and when I got back in the car I had um Christian plays music gives me music all the time songs all the time uh, and as I got into the car it was on my you know iPhone shuffle or whatever it was back then uh, and the song was Fire by Kasabian and I just sat there going oh my god this this firefighters just shown me this it was so obvious and then I went to the, um, I will get to the point of this story. I, when I got to, um, I was on the way back home from the 
national funeral exhibition that I'd been covering. And on the way home, again, another song came on and it was Lenny Kravitz, uh, Let Love Rule. And as I as this song came on, in my mind's eye, I saw all of us standing in a circle, all holding hands at Christian's birthday. I thought, oh, OK, right. So we're going to have this is when I was kind of like almost I, this was all new to me. But I was like, oh, well, that sounds good. We'll do that. So at Christian's party, we all mum and dad were like, we're not standing in a circle holding hands. That's nonsense. <laughs> said, no, we are. On the day, I just think I think I just went right. Come on, everyone, stand in a circle. And I played this song, and we were all standing in a circle. And uh, I was kind of like, we were all willing Christian home, like we were all. So this was twelve years after he'd gone missing. We were all there, gathered, friends, family, beautiful sunny um, July day in the marquee in the garden. And we were all, and all his friends brought their little children, and so all the ages in this circle. And that was the moment I would now look back and go, that is when we opened the door and mm. we invited Christian to return home. And it was, I'm getting chills now. And and a, and then a few weeks after that, that's when I started the lucid dreaming of him. And the rest is just went. So yeah. I guess this asking for support, belief, like so many people come to us going, I so want what you and Christian have. I so want that continued relationship. Um, I know it's possible because you do it. And it's almost that's why we tell our story so much, because I have faith in it. I know I trust it. I know, um, you know, total faith and trust in this. So um, like people can see that. And I've done it so many. We've done it and supported so many people now over the years that I it's just the possibility we're poss we're possibility models now I guess um and this you know the stuck spirits they're 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 vast in number absolutely vast um and they are they need if you if this sounds to you like you're like oh my goodness this sounds like me or you're getting chills or there's something interesting that I'm talking about or you've had a lot of um we have a lot of our raised rebirthers they've have a lot of death around them so they've had a lot of deaths in the family or they've been at deaths arrived on the scene or they have worked in death related industries or um in healing but the healing that they're doing doesn't feel quite enough anymore yeah you know that's that's and they start to get the calling they'll they'll hear this interview they'll start to get the heat in the back they'll start to da, 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 da. all these songs will start you will get called and oh. and it's really it really feels now like um like a real coming together and that's what Krishna and I are now there to support. So, wow, that's I was just <laughs> just amazing. Um, I've certainly had a few chills actually when you've been talking. So, so how do people get in contact with you if they, you know, are just in the even the slightest little bit intrigued or interested and want to find out? Well, I guess find the, out more. the the best thing to do is to come into our community which is uh raise with chris and han dot digital uh it's called the the raise 
uh, Lighthouse, and that's our kind of like on that's our online community at the moment. Um, and you can come in; it's free to join. You can come in. There's a sort of start here area. You have to join it, um, but there's a start here area. There's a um, some meditations. There's a welcome. There's a it's um it's just a nice nice platform and then you can if you feel like you're coming towards the sort of inner circle <laughs> of actually working with um the stuck spirits but we don't only only rescue we also support as i said the 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 people in who feel this is their work um but we also educate we uh, interact with people as well so there's all there's all sorts of different roles in in rays um but yeah it's it's if you feel like you're part of the sort of soul family you come in deeper and deeper into or yeah deeper and deeper into the community um yeah. and we have a monthly discovery call so you can find out about us and and we have we're building a initiation process at the moment as well uh, with a group of we're beta testing that at the moment so in if you're listening to this later on we'll have that all set up and ready and it's basically coming into the coming into the family and doing the work with us so wow well i will certainly put details of that in the episode notes gosh thank you so much hannah for coming <laughs> on and and sharing your story and christian's story um yeah, I just find it mind blowing, actually, how you've been able to reconnect after all these years and, you know, what you've shared about being open and, and um, yeah, asking for help and love as well. You know, love is the greatest thing, isn't it? It is. And I should actually just say, um, so at the moment, the, the story with Christian, as I said, he's still classed as missing um, because we've never found anything of him no mm. nothing he's like disappeared off the face of the earth but um over the last nine weeks so since the beginning so january 2023 um christian and i have been working to return his sort of repatriate his bones and his belongings back from mali to england um I have a piece of land called Christian's Meadow, which is a wild map, wild flower meadow, and um, that's where he's going to be buried. Um, oh, gorgeous! So we are when this happens and it becomes news. I, it's almost like I just need to say that there's been a lot of work behind the scenes to actually bring that into to happen. Uh, and as I speak now, or as we speak now, we feel like we've done everything. It, in fact, that it feels so easy it feels like now that's such a small thing to do that to be able to do that um whereas the bigger picture is is the the sort of global heat support and healing i guess but i just wanted to mention that because that that will then have we will then have the completion i guess as as on yeah. our personal story but we have worked we have been working hard on that to make that happen so Hopefully it won't be long till with the time will be right. I'll be ready and Krishna will be ready and the Ray's rebirthers will be big enough in number to be able yeah. to support the, the interest that's going to come. Um, so it will happen. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Thank you. Yeah, no, brilliant. And as you say, it will, it will just all happen when it's when it's ready to. But it sounds like you've got everything 
building up and in place. So I kind of want to wish you good luck with that, but I don't know whether good luck is the right thing to to offer. But you know, it's. <laughs> uh, we, I mean, even the like doing. Thank you for inviting us onto this podcast because I know our, like you say, our story is um, it's very different and it is unbelievable in many ways. If I was listening, I'd probably be going, "Whoa, that sounds incredibly," you know, like is that really real? Um, but I promise you, it is. <laughs> yeah Um, yeah well and you've got I mean because you've got a whole load of YouTube videos haven't you sort of charting your journey right from oh my goodness almost sort of you first started connecting with yeah I looked the other day and I think we've got about 90 films now and they all go back for back to 2000 and probably what am I thinking 2018 probably um so yeah, if anyone's interested, especially and especially the recent ones, you know, the, the bones and belongings return. We've just made recently the nine nine films, the first sort of season of it, I guess. So if anyone wants to watch those, we our YouTube channel is um, the Finder of Lost Things with Hannah Velton. Um, and yeah, you can watch right from the beginning if you really want to. <laughs> um, there's yeah, ninety films, probably about yeah, n- at least ninety hours worth of films. To- <laughs> binge watch but that literally shows shows you completely how it's how it's um how it's unfolded your your journey so far yeah yeah warts and all tears and everything yeah yeah oh brilliant well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and say I found it fascinating and I'm you know I'm sure I'm sure it will resonate with um with some of my listeners and and if it does then you know as you've said i urge you to to get in contact with hannah or at least check out the the raise community and and see you know what support you can you can find in there yeah absolutely well thank you. you so much rachel it's been a it's been lovely and yeah thank you so much for having us on Wow, thanks, Hannah, so much for sharing your story. What an extraordinary story to share. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah and Christian's journey, then do check out the website, theraiselighthouse.org or hannahvelton.online. Details in your show notes. It's absolutely fascinating. I'd like to thank everyone who supports me in the production of this podcast, to Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and of course, to you, the listener. I'll be back soon with another lesson from loss.